Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Jake Dreyer from Witherfall, and you are listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Joseph Michael from Witherfall, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal Podcast, coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly, and now your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. I'm in a bar in New York City, which only can mean one thing. John, how are you? John Astronomy, at your service. (laughs) Very good. How you doing, man? Welcome back to the show. John, Astronomy co-founder, co-host of Talking Metal. Good to have you back in the fold for this episode. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. I am uh, back from tour. I feel like a human being, finally, again, and uh, it's great to be back in New York. Uh, had a great time on the West Coast, Texas, Arizona, California, Oregon, Washington, Ace Freely tour. It was great, but um, there's no place like home, and I'm very happy to be back in New York City. Cool. John, where are we? You, we got in a cab in Midtown. I have no idea where we ended up. Where are we now? We are downtown near the South Street Seaport on a street called Cliff Street, and we're at a bar called Iron Horse. Now, let me tell you about Iron Horse. Iron Horse was an offshoot of a bar called Red Rock West, and that was over, like, on 17th Street in the west side. Yeah, I remember that, definitely. Yep. Good good spot. That's not there anymore? That is no longer there, and um, I think the, uh, the whole concept here, Iron Horse, motorcycles... Western stuff, uh, girls who swing on swings, you know, pretty cool thing. Yeah, there's a swing like one inch from my my head. There are poles on the bars, uh, but no no dancing girls. So not at the moment. Not not at the moment. John says, "Cool, we got Jake and Joseph of Witherfall on today's episode. These guys have a new record out. Came out uh, less than a month ago, and it is really good." Witherfall is the band, and again, Jake and Joseph, um, we're going to talk to them about that. We're going to talk to them about their, their former band, White Wizard. I think a lot of you guys probably remember the White Wizard scandal scandals that went on uh, with John Leone's White Wizard. Remember White Wizard? We, remember we, uh, this before Jake and Joseph were in White Wizard, we actually introed them on stage, I think at the Gramercy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eric was in the band at that point, and uh, that was a really fun night. It was a fun night. Eric Kluber, great guitar player. Anyways, uh, we're going to talk with Jake and Joseph in just a few minutes about their brand new music, which is really good, guys. Give it a chance. Go check it out on Spotify. We'll have links up where you can buy it in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Again, the new band is called Witherfall, and it is good stuff. 
Talking Metal Toast with John. Hey, John. Yeah, yeah, it tastes good. Anyways, fun to be hanging out here. Um, I'm I'm switching jobs uh, on a personal note. So I have tomorrow, Wednesday, is my last day at, at my current job. You know, I'm a freelance TV guy, so I bounce around. But I've been at my current job for almost nine months. So I feel a little weird that tomorrow is my last day. And it will also could potentially be my last day in the city for a while since the new gig that I'm starting up. Uh, in a little less than a week will be in uh, the state of New Jersey. Yeah, I know the studio uh, or the building that has multiple studios in that you're going to be working in, and uh, I think it's a very cool place. Uh, I wouldn't mind working there myself. Yeah. And uh, I mean, no offense to my company, but um, I just like the location. And uh, I have to say that um, I don't want to get political, but I met the governor of Florida, Rick Scott, there once. Oh, really? Okay, cool, cool. What? Because the CNC, uh, what is it? CNBC is in that building, right? Yeah, I was doing a gig with Henry Juskowitz from uh, Gibson Guitars, and uh, he's of course the president of Gibson Guitars. And uh, I uh, looked around the studio and I went, "Oh my God, that's Rick Scott, Governor of Florida." And a white-haired guy. He's sort of like uh, like shaved head, um, uh, really cool dude, and. Um, uh, listen, guys, I'm not talking politics. I'm just talking whether or not the guy was a nice guy, and he was a really nice guy to me. And he uh, took a picture with me, and his his uh, guy and his staff said, look, if you if you um, want to you know, develop that picture and send it to me, he'll sign it for you. I never end up doing it, but uh, that's how nice he was. Wow, cool. Good stuff. And let's get into a little music right now. We'll talk with Jake and Joseph, and then we'll come back and talk with John some more. We'll play some more music. This is Sacrifice by Witherfall. And then we're going to hear from Jake and Joseph.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line we have two members of Witherfall, Jake Dreyer and Joseph Michael. Last time I think I spoke with you guys was right around the White Wizard time or post-White Wizard. How are you? I think you spoke with Jake, right? Yeah, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well, Mark. It's cool. uh, Yeah, that was, God, probably 2013 it okay. would have been, I, I would assume. And... We have fast-forwarded here about three or four years, and I've heard some new stuff from you guys. Witherfall is the band, and excellent-sounding stuff. Uh, I want to talk to you about the music. Um, first, I just, I, you know, it's still rather fresh. I wanted to offer my condolences on the guy who played drums with Witherfall, is, has left us, Adam Sagan. And, uh, yeah, I was just uh, crushed to hear this. I know his work from uh, Into Eternity and Circle to Circle, and just uh, sad that he couldn't actually, I guess, see the record through. Um, how, how far along were you guys when he passed? Yeah, we were in the, the, the final uh, mixing stages um, when... when uh, he, he went into uh, like stem cell therapy and I think we were like a week out from release wow. when, uh, when he died. Yeah. So he didn't get to see, I mean, the response is yeah. insane and it's, you know, he doesn't get to share in any of it. It's really, really sad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We were about a week out from, from releasing. It, it was about a week out from releasing our first single in the time. Right. In right. December. I mean, Adam at least had heard. He was able. He had heard the record in its entirety, and he had seen. He had he had been a part of everything and seeing how it was going to be released, and of course seeing the artwork and and all that kind of stuff. But he actually never got to see the public response, right. which was um, it, it's a huge tragedy because that was something that Adam was really looking forward to uh, yeah. seeing. You know, he was really jonesing to try to get it out there and and, and see what what kind of response it was going to get. Yeah. Well, again, my condolences on on the loss of your your bandmate and uh, great great player for sure. What what state are we in band wise? Uh, obviously, Adam is is no longer with us. We have Jake, you're you're on guitar, and and Joseph Michael on the the vocals. What are we looking at as far as bass and and drums go to round round out the band? Well, we still have Anthony Crawford, who was the bassist that played on the record. Okay. And he was hired in as a session musician for the record. Um, of course, Anthony's, to any of the, the listeners out there, he played with uh, Virgil Donati and Alan Holdsworth, or some of the bigger ones that maybe maybe some of the listeners would know if they're in that full prog scene. And Jazz Fusion, of course. Um, but he was also like an R&B guy, but he grew up listening to like Queensryche, Metallica and Ozzy, so it's in his blood, you know. He's, right. a, he's a rocker guy at heart, but he just happens to have a lot of that jazz fusion um, type of influence on his playing. So he's still, he, he'll be playing some shows with us, and um, we're still in the process right now of looking for for a drummer to um, that'll fill in for some for live stuff. And uh, it, it's going to be a challenge to try to find someone that can can write as well as Adam because the, the drum compositions that he did for this record are incredible. Absolutely. And the record, you know, the songs sound great, the playing is great, but also just the production value of it is is just wonderful. And I wanted to talk to you about who you worked with in the studio as far as like engineers, producers and mixers. Who who did you work with on this uh album? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we got uh 
we originally had enlisted uh, Ralph Patlin, who uh, he was basically our tracking engineer. And Jake and I self-produced this record with him okay. sitting behind the board. And uh, uh, he was there through the very beginning where we got everything to tape. And uh, originally he was supposed to mix and master, but uh, didn't quite make it that far. So we uh, we hired um, this guy that goes by Zeus. Sure. Uh, he's a producer, Chris Chris Zeus Harris. He's done uh, Queen Drake, Sanctuary, um, all, all sorts Zombie. of great stuff. And yeah, and, yeah we, we listened to his stuff and were really really impressed by his. Uh, it was modern, but it also had a lot of really good dynamics, right. which was something that we were really wanting to look for. For. Um, and Zeus came in, he did a phenomenal job on it. Like it took, he had, we had about a month to get all of that stuff done. And it was, uh, it was a lot of hours just being up trying to, to make sure everything gets done. But Zeus was, Zeus just did it. I can't like, I, I can't say anything bad about Zeus. He just did an absolutely phenomenal job on it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds great. Again, we're talking about the Witherfall album, Nocturnes and Requiems, which is now out, and and this is it's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, and what about physical CD copies? Are are they available anywhere online that you guys can recommend? Yeah, on on Witherfall dot com, we've been basically uh, sending everyone over there. We have uh, vinyls, uh, really oh, cool. a special translucent Adam Sagan like uh, memorial vinyl that we're only doing a hundred copies of. Oh, that's nice. almost gone. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, so. I strongly encourage people to, if they're, if they are vinyl fans, actually this weekend, Joseph and I had gotten a, a test pressing for it and the record sounds amazing on vinyl. It's, right. uh, yeah. it's really a cool experience. So that was something that we were, uh, didn't know how it was going to quite be. So if any vinyl fans out there, um, I definitely recommend picking that up. That's not a shameless plug either. It really does sound good. <laughs> right. and we also get to, uh, through our website too, if there's any international listeners, like we, you know, there's some shipping costs, but we'll send it to anywhere. Yeah. Cool. And Definitely. this is totally, is it totally independent? I mean, you're not really working with a label at all. It's completely independent. Wow. Um, and it's going really, really well. I'm sure there's people out there that wish that, uh, we weren't independent now. Yeah. It's been, it, it was it's a <laughs> lot of work. I mean, it's to, to do it right. You know, it's, right. A lot of work to try to almost be like your own type, your own record label, um, but it's you know we own everything, so that's the the biggest the biggest positive out of it. So we we have complete control, um, and and we own everything that can uh, go with it. So it's not like we're affiliating with any type of third parties or just a middleman. It's it's all totally us, which is a, right. a very. Uh, I mean, we we obviously. You have to use some of the same tools that, that the labels use. It's like we have a publicist and, you know, we, we sell wholesale to certain outlets. And... Right. Now, you guys are, you know, were in White Wizard, which had a fan base. Uh, Jake, you do work with Iced Earth. You're a, pretty much an official member of Iced Earth, right? Yeah, I'm an official. As of September, yeah, I'm an official member. Cool, excellent. Well, congratulations on that. And are you, are you seeing fans you. that you guys have from from your past bands and from say Iced Earth coming over to check out the Witherfall stuff? Totally. Yeah, I think there's uh, uh, I, we get messages every day, you know, from people that are 
um, that were fans of, of those bands that had come over and checked out this stuff. And of course, everybody's, everybody's kind of interested. If you, if you dug some of the work that we did in the past, then, um, yeah. you know, you like players, you know, you're going to check it out. So yeah, I've, we've gotten a bunch of people have crossed over from those, uh, those various projects. I mean, we both have been doing this for a, a while. Maybe I've been doing this a little longer than Jake, but you know, we've been, we've been doing this professionally for, for a while for a long time now. So we've been picking up fans you know, little by little over the course of our careers. And yeah, right now it's probably like now Jake's doing ice earth and, and the last project uh, we did together was white wizard. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's always been the case though. Like every, every album you do, you pick up more along the way. Right on. Now I'm just trying to get it out there. Of course. Oh, go ahead. no, no, go, no, go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say that, of course, you know, it, it takes uh, it, it takes a while for every. Although we live like in the social media type, it still gets. There's a lot of everything's kind of saturated, so there's a. It's still trying to get out there to as many mm-hmm. people as we can. That we're fans of those bands, you know. We still get messages even now from people saying, "I had no idea this was going on," you know, which is which is cool. But then it makes you kind of think that there's so many more of that as well. So it's trying to spread the word. Right. And, you know, as far as spreading the word goes, when you do work with a label, even if it is a smaller label, a lot of times they have in-house PR and publicists and stuff that work the album. Are you guys doing that all on your own or have you brought in a publicist from the outside to help work the album? We have brought in a publicist from the outside. Oh, cool. We, um, we use, we need a guy that a lot of the labels use as well. And, um, so it's, it's all the same context, but yeah, we're not doing that ourselves. We still have, we have a PR guy that's, that's handling that whole side of stuff. Um, so it, it, like I said, it is like a label. We're doing the exact same thing. Basically they're doing, we just don't, right. we don't have the, uh, the cred that I guess, you know, being under a label like metal blade or nuclear blast kind of gives you. Cool. And you mentioned that you are still kind of in the, state of looking for a, a new drummer to come into uh to the band so is it premature to have booked gigs i'm assuming maybe you don't haven't booked gigs until you find a new drummer or have have you booked gigs are there gigs scheduled no we're we're yeah we're, we're auditioning people right now we haven't decided on anyone and uh we also we're not gonna we're not gonna gonna do the like what most most bands do, you know, uh, where they take just about any local gig or they take any spot on any tour they can get. We're going to be really particular. Right on, right on. Cool. And would you be looking to go out and, and as a support act to support another group? Or are you looking to do a headlining thing? Definitely. We no, we definitely another yeah, group. Yeah. Yeah. There's no point in us going out there and headlining right now. Bands that do that whole deal, it's, it's you're preaching to the choir. Like, you know, <laughs> you're not going to grab, any, yeah, you're not going to grab any new fans by going out there and playing to people that already know about you, you know? So uh, yeah, it, it's just a matter of getting on cause it costs money to do this. And if you don't have a label behind you, you're going to have to try to choose stuff that, that is going to be a good investment. So going even with the label the behind band, you, like with the label yeah, behind you, absolutely. you're still paying for it. So yeah. why would you make a dumb decision just because the label put fronting the money? Like I don't understand yeah. a lot of these fans yeah. out there. 
<laughs> or going out with bands that are, you know, they, they themselves shouldn't be doing headlining tours. And yeah, so they're exactly. only bringing 50 people, you yeah. know, it, yeah. it's all about choosing the right, the right stuff. Cause it's, it's expensive. <laughs> and as far as the songs on this record go, when did you guys first start writing and working on them? <laughs> I mean, does it go all the way back to Man, 2013 was... when you were still in white wizard or is it something that happened after that? Yeah, bingo. Exactly. It happened pretty much right after that White Wizard uh, debacle went down. Um, (laughs) I had already had some riffs that I was working on that were no way like in that whole White Wizard style. It was way more progressive. And after that, I I went back to Florida to kind of just decompress after all that stuff went down. And I started working on these riffs again, and I, I heard... I knew Joseph and I had kind of talked about it on that tour that we wanted to do another project together. So I, there was a song, what we were dying for. I was, I was just trying to think of the voice that I wanted to hear on it. And Joseph immediately came to mind. So I had wrote, written him and we had agreed to meet up uh, when I got back to LA and we both met up and uh, like almost, I, I think three or four songs were a lot of the backbone were created in one session. Right. Um, yeah just that day when we got back. So I think, I mean, Joseph probably know better than I would, but I would say that I think a lot of these songs were finished by uh, beginning of 2014. I would say uh, most of the songs were finished within the first two months after the whole White Wizard thing. Like, basically... The writing of Jake, it? Uh, yeah, Jake messaged yeah. me uh, when I was still over in Europe. Um, and... I had been getting offers from other bands and I was like, what's up, man? Like, so-and-so messaged me, so-and-so messaged me. And he's like, no, dude, like, when are you back? Like, we need to meet up. And right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, like, maybe, I, I think maybe a couple of weeks after I got back, we, like, sat down. He showed me some ideas he had and it was it was pretty pretty much instant. Like, what you hear on the record, there's probably, like, yeah, like three or four songs verses and choruses that are were written that first day we got together very cool and it's great sounding stuff guys and congratulations oh, on you. it we're gonna play yeah, thank a li- you thank you for checking it out I appreciate that. oh yeah you bet <laughs> i know there is uh there's a, a couple songs i'd like to play but i definitely want to hit um what is which one was that end of time it really mm-hmm. uh, it was i think one that you were kind of pushing as the I don't know if you'd call it a single, but you had the the, uh, right. the video for it. So we'll definitely hit that after we finish the interview. And progressive metal, do you like that title for no. where you guys? No, you don't like that title. What what do you no, consider not at yourself? All. Well, I, I I I don't see it at all. And I, I think Jake and I disagree here. It's all it's yeah. just because we don't like set out when we when we when we write. We're not like okay, like we're gonna do this. We're gonna sit in this genre like we're gonna like you know play in this ballpark like right. it's just it's just a it's a song and it you know it's it's a heavy metal song because it's got distorted guitars and, and loud drums and i mean it's just i like to say that it's just dark melodic metal if you want to call it progressive because some of the orchestration and instrumentation is is a little bit more you know uh I, what, what, what did you say, Jake? Like it's it's a little more involved. 
Like, well, they're not the traditional would, type yeah, of song I mean, formats with, you know, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus. You know, I mean, it seems like they're more, in, yeah, right. the word involved. At least that's what I'm hearing. Right. I, I think I think that, like, I don't have a problem with the term progressive um, at all. I mean, to me, it's not power metal. I mean, people have sent <laughs> a lot of reviews for people who call right. it power metal, and I don't get that response at all from it. Um, but I, I see it. I think progressive just means that it's it can kind of go. It's a lot more. Um, the songs can be a lot more free as far as like where you can take it. Right. It doesn't have to follow some formula where it's you know any other. I mean, genres to me like these subgenres are kind of just they're all stupid. Yeah. Oh, um, I hate. I think it's I just, hate genres. Yeah, I, I mean, and like, progressive yeah, metal is kind of a, a, a weird term, anyways, because. I've heard Mastodon yeah. be called progressive. I've heard Dream right, Theater right. be called progressive. I've heard Tool be called progressive. Although three of those bands, progressive metal, and they, right. none of those bands sound anything <laughs> alike, you know, so I, right, I guess it is right. kind of exactly. a vague term. I don't like the negative <laughs> connotations of, of it's, it's like, yeah, it's all good, like when you're thinking about like all the great things that have associations with progressive, but then it's like, well, if you tell someone you're in a progressive band, like it's like okay, so like, but you sound like yes, like no, right. we don't. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't. I don't really like those terms, and it's like yeah, it's definitely not power metal. I don't know where they get that from. It's it, it's me. It's just like if it's I. I mean, Joseph and I like we like all ever all sorts of genres, and it's like if it sounds good together, if it can if it can be blended and fused correctly, then then why not? You know, if it's, if it sounds good to the ears, um, and maybe that progressive metal is the closest association that people can, mm. can see from that. So it, you know, it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter. It's, the one thing I don't like is if it's going to turn someone off immediately, right. if they like, look at a title and say, this band's progressive or this is power metal or right. black in Norwegian death metal or whatever, you know, it's, if they, if they're turned off by it, that's a ne- that's a negative thing. So I guess that's my, you know, my biggest concern with with genre labeling. Right, right on. Cool. Well, we're gonna get into some music off of the album again. It's Nocturnes and Requiems. It just came out what earlier earlier this month, right? Early February. February tenth. Yeah. Cool. February tenth was the release. But... Cool. By the time we post this interview, it's going to be march already so uh, less than a month ago this record came out guys we'll have links up in today's show notes where you can go download it on itunes and on uh on witherfall.com right yes cool we'll have that link through today's show notes and before i let you go you know there's it's now been a number of years since the whole as as you said uh, debacle with white wizard are you able to look back on the music you guys made with that that band um, with better memories than you could right afterwards? I mean, because you guys really did make some great music. I know a lot of the the blogs and websites and podcasts really caught on to the whole craziness of, uh, you know, the, I don't know what, the dirty laundry and everything that was going on within the the band. Um, But all that aside, are you able to look back on the music and, and view it fondly? No. No, <laughs> I don't watch it. <laughs> no, there, there are no, some issues I, uh, that aren't able to yeah. be resolved with, you know, like we, we, we like, okay. So like Jake's leads 
and my vocals and the harmonies and whatnot, like we had control over that, but we had no input on like, you know, like, I mean, if you listen to the record, you've got Jake Dreyer and Will Walner playing guitar, but not one of those rhythms is any of those two guitar players on, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's why I think Jake answers like that. Like there was really no musical input, like into the way that band sounded. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't really, he didn't, I don't know. (laughs) I I don't really like the, the performance. I like, I wish it would have had more time to performances. I think Will's leads are fucking really cool on it. Um, Really, I, yeah. I, I don't really like my performance. Hopefully, I don't look back on the Witherfall stuff later and say I don't, <laughs> I don't like it. But it's like that's our, that's our own baby. We had no control over that stuff. To me, I see right. that more as a session gig, where it was kind of like you. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't have any emotional control um, or attachment to it. Whereas if I were to read a review and they slammed it or they praised it, it it didn't do anything for me. Um, I wasn't happy, nor was I. I wasn't different. Whereas with the Witherfall stuff, it's like you know, a, a really good review, you know, you, you're extremely happy about it and, and you appreciate it a lot more. So I see it more as a session gig where I don't really, and I didn't, I, I already went into it with the idea of I can't control the situation. So I'm not going to be attached to it. Gotcha. Right. Cool. And, and Jake, see, iced earth is happening simultaneously and, uh, Cobra and the Lotus that is that's done for you. You're not doing that anymore. Yeah, I'm not doing that. The only stuff I'm working on doing right now is, uh, is ice earth and, and winterfall. Cool. And, um, yeah, yeah. So that's, and that's all I want is plenty. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, it, it, it's, it's, it's a, you know, to juggle being, uh, like Joseph and I are, this is our baby together. And, and it's like, we're, we're both into it. Um, and it fully so trying to juggle that and everything together is it's a full-time job so there's no room for for anything else <laughs> excellent cool well guys thanks so much for talking with us on talking metal and right now we're going to get into some music off the album this track is called end of time by witherfall go support these guys you can download it on itunes and it's on Spotify, uh, download it on Amazon. We'll have all the links up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Thanks, guys. Cool. Oh, thanks Thank so much, man. In a corner, he can serve us well. It circles round us. Only time can tell. Lies die slowly. Now in the courtyard, sounds a distant bell. Suddenly they don't want us. Some impending hell I can
That was the end of time by Witherfall. We are hanging in downtown Manhattan. Not midtown, the usual location. This is downtown Manhattan. Uh, yeah, John, great to hang with you again. And we were hanging out earlier today. We had some meetings together, which was fun. And now we are recording a podcast together. I want to talk to you about an historic event that happened on February 3rd. You were there out in California. Gene Simmons came by Ace's gig. What? Tell us any behind-the-scene details you can share. Tell us about this. Yeah, so um, really cool thing. Uh, Gene came to the show at the Saban Theater in Beverly Hills, California. Uh, really cool, nice venue. Kind of reminds me of like a Beacon Theater, that kind of a vibe. And let me tell you how it all started. It's very cool. It's almost like a Talking Metal episode of the TV show. So Ace gets a text from John 5 and it says hey I, I want to come down to the gig and uh, Gene is going to come and a- Ace had already gotten word from Gene that Gene was uh, interested in coming to see one of his gigs so what happened was uh, Ace texted John 5 back and said yeah John Ostrowski will give you a call and uh, so I, I called John 5 and he was like we were you know it's really freaking funny you, you're going to laugh at this another astronomy story I, I, it's really freaking great um, it's a, a multi-tiered story, as all my stories usually are. Right. What happened is we were we were in Arizona, and I told John Five, I said, "Look, when we get to LA, we're going to fly in the Burbank because we had a show in Agora Hills, California." And uh, I said, "When we get to LA, I'll call you. We'll meet up." And I'm thinking, like, you know, I don't know anything about geography in LA, and I think we're going to get in in a reasonable time, and we're going to. You know, be able to go hang out, and I'll meet John Five, and and I'll give him some laminates. What happens is, it, it, it turned out differently, and let me tell you why it turned out differently, and then I'll get into the whole story. We got to backtrack a couple of days. We're driving down the like, you know, like a ten-lane highway in Arizona, and all of a sudden we hear this noise. It's like, you know, it sounds like air is coming in the car. <laughs> And Chris, the bodyguard, goes, oh, my God, the back opened up. Or, or I might have yelled, oh, my God, the back opened up. So we're driving down the street, you know, 10-lane highway in Arizona between, like, Tempe and Phoenix or something. And the back of the SUV opens up, and luggage starts flying on to, wow. like, a main highway. Wow. Including one of Ace's bags. So, <laughs> so what happens? So there's luggage all over the highway? Yeah, there was, like, like... A couple of my bags, Chris the bodyguard's bag, Ace's bag. And here's the thing, guys. Um, when we travel on tour, we, we usually have a tour. We always have a tour bus. And the band, in, the band members travel uh, on the tour bus. Um, and the uh, crew travels on the tour bus. And Ace usually likes to fly. And so I fly with Ace. but And, and Chris the bodyguard flies with Ace. But if the, you know, if... The flight is going to be longer than it takes to drive. We'll jump in a, you know, a 
escalate or something, and we'll, we'll use that to get from place to place. So we're in, we're you know, we're in a, I don't know if it was an Escalade or a Suburban or whatever it was. Uh, we're in a black SUV. The back opens up when we're going like, you know, like 65 miles an hour or whatever the speed limit is, and the bags start falling out in the highway. So this is where it gets funny. Chris jams on the brakes. He runs out. Chris, if you don't know who Chris the bodyguard is, look look up John Hart, uh, H-A-R-T-E, and um, 70s KISS fans will know what he looks like. Chris looks like John Hart did back in the 70s. So Chris, I never saw anybody run so fast. Chris got out of the car and ran, and then I jumped out and ran too. So what happens is, get this, I'm out in the middle of a, like, 10-lane highway in Arizona with, like, my usual inappropriate full-length black leather coat. And sure enough, coming down the road is, a, is like, some kind of, like, Mercedes van or something. And it's enough is enough. And Chip's enough yells, holy shit, it's John Ostrowski. Right. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a turnpike or whatever. Right. <laughs> and so, that was a pretty it, good Chip's enough imitation. Oh, thank you, thank you. And so what happens is... Uh, they stopped, and then some random guy with like a Pittsburgh Steelers hoodie on stopped, and and then uh, we're, we're trying to get the stuff, and nobody, you know, the guy in the hoodie had no idea Ace Frehley's in the uh, SUV. So what happens is, we, you know, I'm gathering up the bags that fell out, and uh, and then the worst thing is Chris just got this like $500 Oakley backpack, and there was a, all the cars nicely stopped on this highway, like multi lanes, but then one guy just had enough and didn't feel like waiting and right in front of us he just ran Chris's beautiful backpack over like so his backpack got all fucked up wow so but the the highlight of the story is we get back to the gig at the next town and the enough enough is like we saw you and we stopped to help you and Chip was like oh my god we're just picture you're driving down like you know documental listeners you might be driving down like you're on vacation you're going on a trip on like a turnpike or a big I don't know what they call them in other states. Here they call them parkways and different things like that. And then you see, like, astronomy on the street in 100-degree weather in a black full-length leather coat. Like, it's pretty fucking hilarious. Now, did Chip get out and help? Or? No, Chip. Chip. That would have been funny. Yeah, been, a big big fur hat on and, like, <laughs> big, big yeah. pink glasses. He might have gotten out, but but I didn't I didn't see him. But he, I think he was watching the vehicle. But one of his guys, they, they stopped. I think they ended up just keep going. And because um, I think by the time they were able to stop, we were we were okay. Right. Um, so that was funny. But the, this comes back to the John Five thing. So after we get out of the airport in Burbank, we rent a completely different SUV, and we're driving. And the next thing I know, the back pops open to that one too. Oh wow! And I go, oh my god, the back popped open again. And so, um, luckily, nothing fell out that time. So needless to say, by the time we got to the hotel, it was way too late to go hang out with John Five. So, plus in LA, it takes like to go like ten miles. It takes like thirty minutes. You know? Exactly. So uh, at least. So John Five said, "Why don't you just come over to my house?" So and uh, so uh, we right in the middle. Like so, it was like, such a wild day. Um, the day. This is not the day of the Ace show in Beverly Hills. This is the show of the Ace. This is the day of the Ace show in Agora Hills, which is north of L.A. Uh, but that's the day I'm going to go to John Five's place to give him the passes so he can use them on the Beverly Hills show. 
So, uh, and I have like that that concert in Agora Hills at a place called the Canyon Club, which is a pretty uh, famous L.A. area venue. Um, that's the place where David Cassidy had his uh, that incident recently. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Did you hear about that? No. I heard he is he's has dementia or something. Yeah, yeah. So what happened was David Cassidy, who was one of the first celebrity artists that I worked with in my career in the television industry, uh, did a gig there. Uh, a guy that I know, I believe uh, Ken Sharp opened up for him. And uh, Ken Sharp is a great author, or a great interviewer, working on a lot of Kiss stuff. And um, so what happened was everybody thought that David Cassidy uh, was drunk on stage and, and apparently that is not true but uh, unfortunately sad to hear that David Cassidy uh, has some form of dementia but anyway so meanwhile the day that we're doing the Canyon Club gig uh, I'm making all these calls to all these different people and it was really cool Mark Ferrari from Kill Simon Wright from ACDC Dio Disciples and Dio and um, uh, and numerous other people uh Fran Stuber, uh, Paul Stanley's guitar tech, came to that show. So I'm making all these calls, lining everybody up, and then I make a little run over to John Five's house. And let me tell you, he has such uh, a cool uh, Kiss collection that uh, we, we we gave him, me and Chris the bodyguard gave him the passes and then just looked at cool Kiss stuff for the rest of the time and uh, had, had a great time. Cool. And then what happened was, fast forward a few days, and uh, John Five and Gene show up at the concert in Beverly Hills, and and that was just really, really, really cool. I was standing outside with Night Bob, famous sound man, and he got there really. You were telling me earlier he got there really early, right before Ace was even there. Yeah, yeah. So, so what did he do? So here's what happened. I I knew he was probably going to get there early, so. Um, I usually show up with Ace just before Ace is going to go on stage. But this time was a very rare occasion that I said, look, Ace, uh, Chris the Bodyguard will travel with you to the gig, and I will go over there and, and be there. So when Gene gets there, you know, he's taken care of. So I did that. When Gene got there, I met him out in the street, him and John Five, and walked him back into Ace's dressing room. And so it was really, really cool. For a while, it was just me, John Five, and Gene hanging out, talking. And uh, I think uh, we had, like, some Perrier and some Cokes and some ginger ales and Ace's dressing room. And I think Gene drank a Perrier. And, um, it was really cool. It was, for me, being a Kiss fan, it was, it was uh, a really great experience. And uh, I was happy that Gene had this chance to see me in the capacity of being Ace's tour manager as opposed to, you know, just being uh, what I normally am, which is just a KISS fan, you know, trying to hang out. What was the small talk like? I mean, what, what were you, what did you talk with John Five and with Gene about before Ace was there? Believe it or not, we were talking about my, my day job a little bit, and I was telling Gene about licensing, and KISS is all into licensing, and I, I, I work... Uh, in the consumer products business in the television industry. So, uh, believe it or not, that's what we were talking about. Plus, he asked about Ace, and I, I was telling him some up Ace updates. And um, then, so shortly after that, Ace showed up, 
and uh, they really had a great, you know, opportunity to spend some time together, and uh, it was really, really cool. Gene hung out with Ace, like, the entire time before the show. Stayed, you told me he stayed through the whole show, too. A lot of times these people show up after two songs, they're out of there, but he, he stayed for the whole entire set. Yeah, Gene hung out by Rocco, the guitar tech, and uh, watched the entire concert, Gene and John Five. And then after the show, uh, you know, I got Ace back in the dressing room and I went back out to where the guitar tech area was and uh, Gene's still standing there. They, we call that, guys, Guitar World um, or uh, Rocco's World. And um, that's sort of like an industry standard term. And um, I said, Gene, let me bring you back to the dressing room. And he was like, okay. And then what's really cool is Gene came back and we had a chance to um, hang with Gene for a long time, even after the show. Finally, we had to go do the um, uh, meet VIP meet and greet. Yeah. And, um, and Gene was even, uh, I didn't even realize this, but um, our merch guy, Pat, said, Gene uh, was holding your, Gene, I, I type up these lists of people and their names and their shirt sizes, and I give them a number, and Gene's like, you, you take the time to give all these people, there were like 50 meet and greets, and you give them a number and a shirt size and everything. I was like, yeah, we do that. And so I, I was very happy that Gene was able to see some of my work in action. And uh, apparently, uh, I didn't even hear this, but he offered to help with the meet and greet if we needed help. <laughs> so that was cool. Imagine that. Gene Simmons uh, He's calling bringing the, the people. Come forward. It's yeah. your turn to meet us. Number 17, Mark Smith. Come, come over here. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing if Gene was the guy. I always have a guy outside the bus. I just said, Gene, I will take you. You can stand outside the bus. We do the meet and greets in a lot of venues on the tour bus, and people get a, a charge on coming on the bus, and, and Ace is comfortable with that. And uh, so that would have been really funny to have Gene, like, calling out the names. But Very good. Great stuff from one month ago, February 3rd. Wow. So... Let's see, what else can we play here? Maybe a John 5 song. How about that? This is John 5 covering Welcome to the Jungle on Talking Metal.
John Five's version of Guns N' Roses classic, Welcome to the Jungle. By the way, Mark, have you seen that cool John Five video with the apes? No. No, I haven't. He's going to kill me because he, he told me numerous times what the name of that song was. But you got to research it and you got to check it out. It's a killer tune. It's uh, John Five with his band. And uh, there's a bunch of apes in the video. It, it's the band dressed up like apes. Wow, I'll have to check that out. Good stuff. And uh, why don't we end with, a, after all that Gene and Ace talk, what would be a good song to end with? I mean, I'm trying to think of something that maybe features both of them. I got an idea. How about an old Kiss song called Parasite? Parasite, written by the two of them, right? Written by Ace. I, I believe that. Yeah, and then Gene sang it. Gene sang it, yeah. Until yeah. Ace covered it on the, the recent record. Right, and here's the weird thing. I always thought that it was With always... John Five, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's very appropriate. What What's pretty wild is after kind of listening back at these old Kiss songs, I think there was a time when they both, Gene and Paul, sang Parasite together. Really? Wow. Wow. Maybe, Wait, I, in concert, you're talking about. Yeah, maybe even maybe back in like the Alive tour, Dress to Kill tour, and maybe even on some of the 90s tours, like Revenge. But um, anyway, Parasite is a great tune that Kiss sometimes still plays and Ace has been opening with. Right. And um, very, very cool. Last time I saw Kiss, which was out in Las Vegas, I guess that would have been 2014. Wow, time goes by fast. Uh, they did, was that 2014? Fuck, time does go by fast. I can't believe it. They did play Parasite in the set when I saw them. I saw them two nights in a row, actually. That's so cool. I wish I could have been at those shows. You know what? What's great now is that the shows that Kiss is currently doing, they are wearing the Creatures of the Night outfits. Right, yeah. Yeah, but they no Vinnie Vincent makeup or Eric no. Carr makeup. <laughs> There's this great thing that Mitch LaFond, like uh, commented on, and there was like... On one of the, I guess it was the Kiss Cruise, they had the, the meet and greet, and some guy dressed up like Vinnie Vincent uh, was standing next to all of them, and instead of, like, he stood between, like, Paul and Tommy, and Tommy was, like, got a kick out of it. He had a big smile, so, like, let's say that you crop, like, you know, like somebody on the Internet cropped Tommy out. It looked like it would look like Kiss and the Creatures of the Night tour with Vinnie. Right. And I think, I don't know who it was. If it was Mitch or somebody else um, goes, uh the balls on this guy <laughs> to yeah. do that and and like Tommy purposely like you know let the guy get in between because it was pretty freaking hilarious so. well you yeah. know you know it's interesting with Tommy and Vinny uh, when Tommy Thayer was on Talking Metal probably like oh what was that four years ago I, I don't know uh, he I asked him about Vinny Vincent and he went off on how much he loves Vinny Vincent and what a great player not one negative word and almost talking very highly of him which I w- wondered if it was like his way of kind of reminding like making it like well the band's not just about Ace or Bruce Kulik you know he was like really went out of his way to talk highly about Vinny it was interesting yeah I think I, I've always loved Tommy I think he's a great guy I think that it's cool that um, he is a real KISS fan as well as a member of KISS. And, you know, I, I, I guarantee that, um, you know, if anybody ever asked Tommy, Tommy was probably a fan of all eras of KISS, just like most true KISS fans are. And uh, people might even find it hard to believe that um, 
you know, I'm like Ace's guy and store manager, and I do all these different things for him, but I love all the different genres of Kiss, including the current version of the band. Absolutely. Tommy, also a big Judas Priest fan. Um, yeah, so let's end it there, John. Let's remind the Talking Metal listeners there are Amazon links which you can use on our website. We have a news section now. I recently wrote an open letter to Ozzy Osbourne that we posted there, which got a really great response, actually. Yeah, that was a great letter, Mark. Thanks. If you haven't read it, you can go to the news section on Talking Metal. It's up there. Um, yes, so there's a lot of updates going on on the site. So be sure to visit TalkingMetal.com. We've done some updates. It's still John's original design. That uh, you, Not original. That was like your third or fourth version yeah. of it. Your, your design from... When did you rebrand it like maybe three four years ago yeah it sounds sounds about right we had we've had like as you said like multiple versions of the site this was a uh, new new style version of the site and what what you did with the mark was great and you know yeah, i hope I it just, just continues some, some more updates and more sections uh we still do have all the stuff archived you can go back and see older versions of the sites i mean there's so much stuff up there after 12 years guys Definitely check out TalkingMetal.com. Keep your support going for us. Facebook likes to our Talking Metal page. You can friend John and I on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. All the links are up on TalkingMetal.com. Thank you, guys. And on that note, this is Parasite. What version are we playing of it? The, the studio, the old, you said old one, right? Alive? or? Let's play the, you know what you said alive, let's do the alive one version of Parasite. You got it.
Right.